0: I can attest to the barrage of all the things that you have to buy, right? Like you have to get all the different expensive, the snoo, the things that like must have for your babies. I remember my pediatrician talking to us once and she says, you know what? There's a lot of marketing out there. There's a lot of marketing when it comes to new things for babies and a lot of fear mongering where you have to have this or The worst thing will happen to your baby And being able to separate that between the actual must-haves for your baby
1: Welcome to the smart money mama show where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life Now let's talk money mamas Hey, 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 I'm your host, Chelsea Brandon and Mamas. Today on the show, we're diving deep into how you can save money as a new mama. And I'm so excited because I'm going to be joined by three incredible ladies. Tasha Cochran, founder of One Big Happy Life, is a mom of two and an absolute pro at deciding what matters most and building a wealthy life for yourself. Kristen Stones from Sense and Purpose is also a mom of two who's amazing at taking advantage of all the ways there are to save money. And last, but certainly not least, we have Bethany Bayless, co-host of the Motherhood and Money Show, and a new mom whose son recently turned one. Happy birthday to Caden. We're going to dig in on how to deal with the pressure to buy all the things for a new baby, maternity leave, and the best parenting advice we've all ever received. As a reminder, these episodes are recorded live on YouTube Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you want to have your questions answered on the show, be sure to subscribe to the Smart Money Mamas YouTube channel and join us there. Are you ready? Let's get started. We've got Bethany coming on here and Kristen Stones. Oh, Here comes Tasha. And we've got Tasha Cochran from One Big Happy Life. How's everybody doing?
2: Doing so good. Thanks for having us.
1: I'm so excited to have you all here. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Let's start with Bethany. Thank you so much for having
0: me. This is so incredibly exciting for me. This is actually my first... Chat with like an adult, and then especially in the virtual space for content (laughs) in over a year. So, this is really exciting for me. My name is Bethany (laughs) Bayless. I am a speaker and MC, and then I just had my first son in the pandemic in May of 2020. So, it has been an exciting last year to say the least. And because of this experience, I launched a brand new podcast with a friend of mine, Marissa Lida, who had a baby four days before me. So we have the Motherhood and Money Show, where we talk about being new moms in the middle of a pandemic, because it's been
1: an adventure for sure. Oh, I can't imagine what that was like. And I can't wait to hear more about it. Let's have Kristen tell us a little bit about
2: yourself. Hi, everybody. Chelsea, thanks so much for having me. I have two children. As Chelsea said, my kids are a lot older. My daughter will be 16 soon and my son is 12. But I will say that I think the tips we're going to talk about today really can grow with you as your kids grow up as well. My husband and I had to radically change our lifestyle when we had our come to Jesus moment and realized our finances were in awful trouble as well as our marriage and Mm. we worked really hard to change everything around and a lot of that meant really changing the way we spent our money so that we could save money and pay off debt and that's where sense and purpose came from so i'm excited to help share some tips today
1: amazing tasha we're going to have you introduce yourself as well tasha tell us a little bit about yourself and your family
2: hi everyone so excited to
3: be here so my name is tasha cochran i am a lawyer and wealth expert And through my company, One Big Happy Life, I teach people how to build wealth while also spending for the abundant life that they want to live today. And a little bit more about me and my family. So we are a bit of a non-traditional family. I have quite the spread. I have a 19 year old. So today we were just actually looking at college apartments for her and a five-year-old. So we are looking at kindergartens for him and potentially moving. So I had the experience of being a mom like
1: 20 years ago and, Today. And I will say it's like a very different (laughs) experience. That is a lot of different things to be looking at. I love the breadth of experience we all have and the different stories we're going to be able to tell today. I can tell this is going to be a lot of fun. And so, before the show, we asked the mamas in our audience for questions on this topic how to save money as a new mom. And one of the things that came up repeatedly was how do you calm the overwhelm with the costs of having a new baby? Everywhere you look, there's articles and people telling you how expensive a baby is, and people are feeling kind of paralyzed. So, what advice do we have from them? Bethany, you're the newest mom here. So, How have you dealt with this last year, especially with the pandemic?
0: Oh, my goodness. I can attest to the barrage of all the things that you have to buy, right? Like you have to get all the different expensive, the snoo, the things that like must have for your babies. I remember my pediatrician talking to us once and she says, you know what? there's a lot of marketing out there. There's a lot of marketing when it comes to new things for babies and a lot of fear mongering where you have to have this or the worst thing will happen to your baby and being able to separate that between the actual must haves for your baby. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the actual must haves, you need to have something to feed your baby. That's important. You need somewhere for your baby to sleep. Very important. And then you need something for your baby to wear including diapers. Those are really the most important muffs haves Those are what you need to have your baby and everything else is a preference. And when it comes to preferences, there's things that like if this is really important to you, maybe take that money set aside that you prepared for this set that money aside to spend on what are really important to you and then just like cut out the things that are not important to you. There are things that like I did not care about when it came to having my baby and I didn't spend a cent on them or I spent like not as much Facebook Marketplace is your best friend as a new mom. And then there's some things that I spent a little bit more on and it's not right or wrong. It's just different. And those are the things you have to sort through and just say, okay, do we need this for my baby to live? If not, is this a preference that I'm willing to pay for? So that's pretty much what we did when it came to Just a lot of marketing out there.
1: And Tasha, you were in two different, very different life places and budget places when you had your kids. So, can you tell (laughs) us how you thought about this? Sure. So, with my daughter, Alexis,
3: I actually became pregnant with her when I was 18. I was a single teen mom. I did work full time, I was an active duty Marine but I was doing it all by myself. And this was before social media was a thing. Thank goodness, because I just didn't have the same sort of like marketing pressures that you have nowadays. And so I was also trying to figure out like, how am I even going to support a child at all? So I knew like Bethany said, I'm like, okay, so we need a couple of things. We need childcare because I'm going to be working full time and I'm a single mom a place for the baby to sleep and a car seat because I'm driving and baby clothes. And then what am I going to feed this baby? So those were like my big five when I was 18 pregnant, making less than $24,000 a year. Wow. Then by the time with my son, now I'm a lawyer, I'm in a multiple six figure household. And also I have the experience of not having a lot of money and having to say no to myself about some of the things that I wanted out of necessity. And back then I told myself, oh my gosh, when I have my next baby, I'm going to buy that you know, $2,000 like nursery set with the matching everything and the changing table. And I'm going to buy that $800 glider because I'm going to have the money. And then I had the money for it. And I'm like, why would I ever spend my money on that? So I didn't do those things. Did I buy a lot of luxuries? Yes. So like the swing, right? The $200 baby swing, which was awesome. The silicone nipple bottles that simulate your real nipple. So there's no nipple confusion. I did those things. But just like I think it was Lauren said in the comments, she didn't buy anything. And I actually think that's a good thing. Wait until you feel the need as a mom to buy those things
1: versus buying them preemptively. I totally agree with this here, especially because our kids just don't like certain things, right? Especially as a new one, you buy this expensive thing and you know your kid rejects it. One of ours was swaddles. We bought like four of those Velcro swaddles. Neither of my kids wanted to be swaddled. It was like a nightmare until we unswaddled them. And so- we pass them on to another family. And so waiting until you see what your kids need. Kristen, what about you? I know that you mentioned that your relationship was not in a great place and your finances weren't in a great place. How did you handle that anxiety?
2: Well, these ladies already covered everything. I think one of the most important things is really to be as prepared as you can, of course. And one of the ways I think is helpful to be prepared and understand or get a better feel of what may be non-negotiables and what things may not be quite as important would be to talk to family and friends in your life, especially those that you have seen them raise their kids and you know you like their parenting style or you know you like certain things that you've seen them use and ask them. Instead of reading just reviews online, talk to somebody that you know, like, and trust and really get their opinion. Was it helpful? Was it worth the money? Did you need this? And I didn't really have anybody like that in my life because I was the first one out of all of my friends and any family members my age to have kids. So I took the advice of my mom, which of course was a little outdated, but same thing. We just tried to prioritize and determine what were the most important things and then kind of used asking for gifts for the shower or use what else little bit was left in our budget to really try and save and find a way to get the things that we felt were going to be the most helpful, but you don't really know. We did get a swing. Thankfully, somebody gave it to us because my daughter hated it. She screamed if we would even walk near that swing. So (laughs) had we spent the $200 on it, that probably would have been a waste of a huge chunk of money for us at that time. So preparation and research really is the best thing you can do to try and calm that anxiety there's always going to be some level of anxiety because you just don't know what to expect.
1: Absolutely. Bethany and Tasha, what was something that you had for your kids either bought or gifted that they just did not use or like,
0: I think the biggest thing for me is like, this is so silly, but a wipe warmer, (laughs) like that thing still sits unopened in our box. Cause like, I didn't care if his butt was warm. (laughs) Like he was going to deal with a cold wipe no matter what. So I kind of was like, should I return this? Cause this is, but I also didn't do the swing. I just, Facebook marketplace. Again, I just got things from there. And if it was only 15 bucks, like thankfully that was it. And I didn't, he just wasn't into the swing at all. Thankfully, I had
3: pretty good luck. I bought I did buy a lot of stuff this second time around, but it was really useful. And you know, those baby wipe warmers, they always end up on the don't buy this, but I swear by them, <laughs> both of my kids, like warm butts, okay, because they will go back to sleep so much faster. But oh my gosh, if I had to pick one thing, probably the playpen, because Reeves was so huge. He was a 10 pound baby. So the playpen just
1: like it didn't hold him. So that's one thing that we just really just didn't even use. We never used ours either, except for like maybe sleeping at my like in-laws or my parents house. Like they sometimes slept in the playpen, but mostly we didn't use it. But Kristen also brought up, you know, asking advice from your friends. And this is a question that got submitted before the live was what was the best motherhood advice you were given before you became a mom?
3: I just want to be honest and say I didn't have any good advice. Like 18-year-old me, I only had my mom and, you know, she, I didn't ask her for mom advice. And some of us have those kinds of moms Mm -hmm. where you're not going to ask your mom for parenting advice. And so I just kind of like figured it out on my own. And I kind of think that that was a really like a nice thing to just be able to not have expectations, to not have other people telling me what to do and to just like intuitively parent my child. It worked out well. She's, you know, functional. So I
0: mean. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs>
3: no, she is. I can attest to that. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> yes. She, I should have her come wave and say hi. She's awesome.
0: She should. And piggybacking off of what Tasha said, it was so funny on my Facebook, a memory popped up today is actually my son's due date. And he came two weeks early. And so I did this post of like, oh, it's his due date. Thank you for coming early. It's been two weeks. This is the best. And in that, I saw a comment that I had forgotten about. And it was actually somebody gave me the advice of the first two weeks is just a crash course on parenting. <laughs> like you don't have to really have anything figured out. And then the first two weeks, you're going to find a rhythm. You're going to find what works, what doesn't work. If they go back to sleep faster because their butts are warmer, it's perfect. <laughs> and so just, having that crash course. And like Tasha said, just you have to figure out your kid, you have to figure out what they like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to be super good at some things and maybe not great at other things. And it's hard to not compare them to other babies and see like, oh my gosh, their kid is, (laughs) their kid is sleeping through the night at two weeks. (laughs) How wonderful for them. (laughs) And in actuality, you have to figure it out so much on your own and people can give you advice. But the best advice is probably just like, You do you, and you're going to figure it out, and you're going to do great, and you're going to have awesome kids like Tasha. I have met her daughter, and she's awesome.
1: Alexis is amazing. And so the biggest piece of advice I actually got was not about like the first couple months. It was just with parenting and actually with the baby. I had a colleague at work tell me, don't make any major life decisions in the first six months after you have a baby. Not about your work, not about where you're going to live, like just if you were going to go back to work after maternity leave, go back to work. After, you like let your, your brain kind of settle and settle into your new life before you make any changes, which was such a huge thing because so much is changing. And you think you can fix it sometimes by just like, well, maybe if I didn't have this job or maybe if I didn't live here, maybe like our relationship feels strained right now. And just giving it the time to kind of settle out, which begs the question, too, of. We've talked a lot about the stuff that our kids get, but what do we have to do with our personal finances before we have kids to put us in a little bit of a more secure space? Kristen, do you wanna start us off?
2: Save every single dime you can save is really the best advice. We didn't do that in any way, shape or form. We were completely unprepared. We had just moved into a house a couple months before, so everything was a shambles. Really, again, not to repeat myself, but do your research, prepare as much as you possibly can. I think really sitting down and having an extra in-depth budget meeting, goals meeting, Parental planning meeting with your spouse or partner, if you have one. And if not, maybe just somebody that you really trust in your life that can kind of help you navigate some of this and really just lay out what are you going to need? What are the costs that you think you're going to incur? Like Tasha said, are you going to need childcare? If so, take some time and try to do some research ahead of time. Daycare isn't really a place you want to bargain shop. You want to make sure that your child is well taken care of. So, You need to make sure that you're prepared because you can really have sticker shock once you call around and you find out how much a good quality daycare is actually going to cost you. But really take a look at your budget. Take a look at your current savings rate. And are you able to cut certain expenses that you have now that maybe won't be quite as valuable to you once you have a child here? And I think really just projecting out as much as you can what you're going to need if you're taking off work, can you replace that income? Do you have some type of short-term disability to give you some type of income while you are out? How long can you take maternity leave? I'll just go the whole time. So I'm gonna pass to somebody else.
1: (laughs) Well, let's talk about maternity leave then. So Tasha, you were in the military. What did maternity leave look like in the military?
3: So in the military, I got six weeks of paid maternity leave, which in the US is sweet, because so many employers don't offer that at all. Whereas when I tell my Canadians or my like people who live in like the UK, <laughs> and they're like, "You only got six weeks, you poor thing," you know, like kind of patting me on my head. We give puppies longer than that. Like, what do we for? <laughs> <laughs> right, twelve weeks before they have to go to their forever home. Exactly. So going back to the expenses thing, like I knew again because I was a single mom that I was going to have to start paying for daycare. So what I did, that's the budgeting method that we teach now, which is the one year spending plan. Mm. It actually came about because guess what? It takes nine months to make a baby and then six weeks of maternity leave. And then six weeks later, then I've got a regular budget, my post baby budget. What does that make? Twelve months. So I actually created my first one year spending plan. When I found out that I was pregnant and I was going to be a single mom, I said, okay, I've got 12 months to figure this stuff out and figure out how I'm going to be able to afford this baby once the baby is here. And so I just like put together my budget, figuring daycare was going to be the most expensive part. But then I was also able to plan, okay, this month is the month I'll be able to buy my crib. And this month is the month that I'll be able to buy a car seat because I could see my whole year at once. Now, this time around, because I make more money, I just put together my baby budget. So I decided all the things I wanted to have. I did some research on which ones I wanted to have. So I knew exactly how much it was all going to cost. So I put that money aside. And also another important cost to look at is how much it's actually going to cost you to deliver that baby. For some people, it can be very expensive.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, Bethany, you had a baby during the pandemic. And so what were you doing for work before you had your baby? What did your maternity leave look like?
0: This is such a fun story because – and there's a saying that says you can plan for things and then like the universe will decide what it actually wants to do. And so there were certain aspects that we planned for. So we were thankful that we were able to plan for a baby. We had known that we had wanted to have a baby. My husband and I were married five years before we decided, yeah, let's let's do this. And so we looked at what I was doing. Since I'm a public speaker and MC, a lot of my work is not consistent. There's days that I have like a lot of money coming in and there's other times that maybe I'm not making as much money. So we were kind of in this fluctuating times of feast or famine and kind of figuring out what that would look like. And so when we realized we were going to be having a baby, we already knew that my work would take a significant backseat, the baby. And so I knew I wasn't going to be traveling as much. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do as much work. And so I had already postured myself to try to start making more money at home but what really was the deciding factor was my husband got another job that allowed us for me to my work to take a back seat. And so that was really helpful for us and kind of like, all right, well, now we can do this. Now we know we're going to be financially ready. So when the pandemic hit, yeah, it was a big bummer for people who go to conferences <laughs> and that's how they make money because there were no conferences and actually a lot of my work, all of it had just fell through. Several of the conferences are canceled now. Like they don't they don't even exist anymore. The ones that I was scheduled to speak at, they had to close and it's really unfortunate. Thankfully, we had put a money aside to be able to have almost like an extended maternity leave for me if it was a choice and it served us so well when the pandemic hit. And I still like, I still am not back at work. Like I'm still not making the money I I used to, but I'm really grateful that we kind of had a semblance of a plan when the craziest stuff happens in this world.
1: Well, hopefully we start seeing more of these conferences come back. I know later this year, it seems like a couple of them are going to try. We're going to try in the fall, but fingers crossed for that. Kristen, what about you? How long was your leave?
2: My leave was Longer by my own devious plan, I kind of told I knew I didn't want to come back to work. My dream was always to be a stay at home mom, but our finances just would not allow that to happen. I had a really good job, I didn't want to leave. And then once that baby came, I just knew I couldn't go back. Daycare was pretty much way more than our mortgage at that point because our mortgage was very affordable at that time. And I just knew if we I don't know, prayed a lot and and really worked hard to stretch our dollar as far as possible that somehow by the grace of God, we could make it work. So I took my short-term disability leave. I told my employer the whole time I assured them I was coming back and I didn't come back. At the end, I let them know and I didn't come back. And I felt terrible. I felt really bad, but my boss ended up telling me that she knew the whole time there was no way I was coming back. So I guess they had somebody already training and they, they were fine with it, but I just could not leave that, that little baby. And my short-term disability was like, you know, 66.6 repeating percent of my salary is what I got. And I squirreled it all away as much as we could. And I just, I never went back. And then once the baby was a couple months old, I started bartending for a couple of years. It was not ideal My husband went third shift. I never slept. I didn't sleep for like three years straight, but we made it work. We figured it out.
1: And that's a great point about maternity leave. I know that a lot of employers know that people change their minds after they have a baby. And so having a conversation too of like, hey, I really intend to come back to work. But if I change my mind mid maternity leave, what do you want me to do? Sometimes companies are actually better off knowing so they have time to hire somebody else and they'll continue to pay. So just be clear beforehand, tell them you're coming back if that's your intention before you have your baby, but it gives you options. I know at my job, we actually had a very honest conversation with the HR rep who was like, listen, replacing you guys is really hard. And like, I know you want to come back, but if you don't just tell us, like, we'll pay you through leave, but we just want as much time as possible to find a replacement. And so sometimes you have to keep it quiet, but just as a way to like, sometimes just like letting them know what your options are kind of can, can help as well.
3: Yeah. Let's also talk about the fact that they have to keep paying you. Like, even if you say midway through, like, I'm not sure that I'm going to come back. They definitely can't fire you then, <laughs> right? Because it'll be very, very obvious. I they would. No, no. Illegal. <laughs> but I want to just say, because both Bethany and Kristen did not go back to work. So I went back to work after both of my children. So when I had my son, I was working at a law firm and they had 12 weeks of paid maternity leave. So I feel extra lucky that I was working for two employers that offered paid maternity leave. And I did go back to work. After my son, it was hard because we struggled to conceive him. It took us four years to conceive our son. And I almost didn't go back because I'm like, well, what if this is my last baby? And so I know that there are probably other mothers out there who staying home is not an option for them. And so, you know, I just want to validate also that choice of like, yeah, it's still going to be hard, even if you decide to go back to work. And for some moms, it's also not hard. So if that's you, that's okay, too. But I went back to work. And I really want to lean into that idea of not making any decisions, like life changing decisions for the first six months, because it was hard at first. But I definitely got used to it. And especially I had a flexible job where I could work from home two to three days a week and I had a nanny. So when I worked from home, then it was like the best of both worlds because I could still do work that I love,
1: but see my son all the time and still make money. I'm so glad you jumped in with this because as you guys know, but I realize I haven't mentioned in this episode, I'm the breadwinner in our family, right? My husband is a stay at home dad. So not going back to work after maternity leave was not an option in our house. And it was actually hard. So I got 16 weeks paid in my job, which was amazing. It was incredible. But I had postpartum depression that didn't hit until my kid was six months old. So everything felt fine when I first went back and everything was okay. And then it got really, really hard. And so stay aware that that can happen too and make sure that the people in your lives are looking out for it. I was unaware that postpartum can hit in the whole first year and not just like in the weeks after you have your baby. But I was glad I went back, provided like some of my normalcy in my life and, and my own challenges. And then after... Our second kid, I started Smart Money Mama. So I was definitely working (laughs) quite a bit after I had my second as well. So validating that is absolutely true. But we mentioned finding ways to save money as much as possible. Bethany saving up for an entrepreneur maternity leave and Kristen looking to be a stay-at-home mom. What are some of your guys' favorite ways just in your day-to-day life to save money? And maybe we can start with Bethany.
0: This is a really great question because I feel like this is something we constantly evaluate in every season of our lives. It's something that maybe you're saving money here one day and then you're saving money in a different place. And so I would say right now where we are in our lives, we're getting back to the basics when it comes to budgeting of just knowing what's coming in and what's going out. And I can just tell you, I will admit it to all of us, pandemic hit me hard when it came to impulse spending. I do not want to go look on Amazon to see how much I have spent this year, Yeah, this year alone. You know, there's an option. You can see how much you've spent over your lifetime on Amazon. I don't want to see it. Don't click that button. I don't want to (laughs) because it's hard. It's really hard. And so one of the things we're kind of, we're raining back that impulse spending. And a lot of that is kind of just sitting down and really being stringent with what it is that comes in and what's going out. I really loved the, I do cash envelopes. That's something that we really love doing. When it comes to the impulse spending, it's harder with cash envelopes now that Amazon isn't, it was never cash-based. I think that's the biggest thing is my impulse spending is something that's really been an issue. And so it's wonderful when you're like, wow. Wow. Let's not impulse spend on this when you see how much of a hit that's taking to your bank account. And then when it comes to like our menu and shopping, I try to write out our menu every single week so that I can go to the grocery store, use my cash envelopes, and then not have that impulse spending when it comes to just going to the grocery store and seeing all the things that I want and all the wonderful options that I can eat tonight, especially when I was a nursing mom. Oreos were like a good go-to and chips and all that stuff. And it really took a hit on our budget. So just kind of seeing what's going in, what's going out and going back to the basics really served us really well when it came to these things that we now have to provide for our son that's here.
1: Absolutely. We actually just started using this app called Cube. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but basically it's like a cash envelope bank. And so to turn on your debit card, you have to like open the cube that you're spending. And so we took like our most overspending accounts and we like moved everything into cube banking. And it has been amazing of like you have to click to open it even if you're doing an Amazon thing like you can pre-approve Amazon is going to make a purchase and you have to say where it's coming from but then it immediately updates your account about how much is in there and so that's like been our way to, cash envelopes I could never keep up with but this is like enough that like day to day I can see it Kristen what about you what were some of the ways you save money to become a stay-at-home mom
2: oh uh, well like Bethany said I we I'm a foodie, so I love to cook. I love to go to the grocery store and buy everything. I'm always hungry, so never, ever shop hungry. There's scientific research that shows you actually spend more money when you're shopping, period, not even just on groceries, just any shopping. So I always have snacks with me, even at my desk if I'm shopping online. That helps a lot. I now order my groceries online, which has made a huge difference because like I said, I cannot control myself in a grocery store. So ordering online along with meal planning, unfortunately ordering online, that wasn't an option when I had my children. If so, that would have been awesome. We had switched to shopping at Aldi back then. And I did shop at Aldi until recently. I buy almost all generics except for Pop-Tarts. Never buy generic Pop-Tarts. Otherwise I buy almost all generics and that, saves us a lot of money especially right now when we're really seeing the costs of everything start to creep up your food bill it's going to continually get more expensive so if there are some foods that you don't mind i know some people are really loyal to brands but if you're not try swapping out for generics it's a big difference and back then we just had to really change our lifestyle you know i wasn't buying the clothes that i was buying before i had kids because i couldn't fit in them I just couldn't afford them anymore. I wasn't buying the $100 plus nice pair of boots to wear out every weekend. Like I just wasn't doing that stuff. So when I had my daughter, I was 25. And before then we were still out with our friends all the time, hanging out, celebrating birthdays. So just cutting all of that out saved us a lot of money. And cooking at home, everything combined, you know, those little things, they may not feel like a lot, in the moment, but they truly do add up.
1: Absolutely. And I love that both you and Bethany brought up those impulses, right? we think about trying to like align our spending with our values and what we want, understanding what our spending triggers are is such a huge part of that to make sure that we're not getting sucked into you know, what happens in the day-to-day. Tasha, how do you and Joseph save money?
3: I will say just from the beginning, like our number one thing is to focus on making more money so that we don't have to say no to ourselves as much. Having said that, a new baby with like daycare costs and we had a nanny, very expensive. So we look at some of the bigger overarching ways to save. So paying attention to like, what our healthcare costs are looking like, taking advantage of things like health savings accounts and dependent care flexible spending accounts and medical flexible spending accounts, if you also have access to that, because we're talking about hundreds or thousands of dollars saved in taxes year over year, which is huge. But then the next thing that we do is we look at, okay, what are our big budget busters? Where are the things, where are the areas of opportunity that we can Tweak and reduce our spending without reducing our enjoyment. And so for us, that place is our groceries by far because we're not big shoppers. We don't go out. If we do go out, it's going out to eat and a family of four, you're looking at a hundred plus dollars each time you go out to eat. Even Chick fil A is like $65 each time. So you go to Chick fil A three times a week, you're looking at over $150. And that's $600 a month just at Chick-fil-A. And you don't even feel like you did anything fancy. So meal prep is huge. And for me, I love going to Costco and buying in bulk because you get those bulk prices and it saves you time having to look for coupons and things like that. And then I just got really good at planning different meals using the same Costco ingredients. Like, How many different ways can you use up ground turkey, red bell peppers, and ketchup. Like there are lots of different ways.
0: Feels like an episode of Chopped. <laughs> like now my brain is like, how can I? What am I going to go make? And the meal prep is
3: masterful. And once you get that taken care of, you just knock it out all at once, and then you don't have to think about food all week. And you don't have to worry about if you're tired and oh, I just feel like eating out. You just make foods that are delicious that you love, but I still like Absolutely. Number one, grow your income so that you can have everything that you want without having to really watch every
1: single penny. And that takes time. Absolutely. And we focus on that as well and making sure that you're prioritizing the things that matter to you, right? Not completely scrimping on absolutely everything for the sake of just, you know, spending more money on baby things or whatever you need, right? And so one of the things too, I don't remember if it's superchef or superfood.com, you can enter all the food that you have in your house and it will pull up recipes that like have those ingredients. And so like, especially when you're getting down to like the end of your pantry and you don't want to waste food, it's like one of our favorite things to be like, Ooh, what could I make with these random, you know, chopped ingredients as Bethany said. So mamas, we're going to be opening up for questions from the audience in a second. So guys start dropping your questions in the chat. But before we do, what is each of your biggest pieces of advice for new and expecting mamas? And let's start with Bethany.
0: This is such a big question. I could go so many different ways with this. I think one of the biggest things is look for help where help is provided. I didn't know what to expect when I became a mom. And I know that like my situation is incredibly unique. Becoming a mom in a pandemic, was really hard. Like it was, I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now because it is a hard thing to be a new mom. Like the world is just barraging you with so many different fears and concerns and all these things. And then you're trying to figure it all out. And it can just be a really hard, vulnerable place. And so one of the biggest things for me, I actually started going to counseling when I was a new mom with a pandemic happening with all of the hormones and just going through hormone hell. It's one of those things that it was a very difficult time for my mental health. And I know we've all had pandemic experiences. We all had new mom experiences. And putting those things together was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life. And so look for help where help is provided. I had a wonderful mother. I have a wonderful mother-in-law and I set up days of the week for either my mom to come here to watch the baby or for me to go to my mother-in-law's to drop off the baby, go to the store, maybe, do you know, in the middle of a pandemic with my mask in Target was kind of like my self-care and just avoiding the dollar section for my impulse spending, but still just tap into those resources and tap into the people that you love you and also admit this is hard this is really, really hard. And ask for help or just look for that help, again, where it's provided. And so I'm a big advocate of mental health. I'm a big advocate of counseling and therapy. It really, really helped me in probably one of the most difficult times of my life. And so I think that's my biggest advice for people. Admit that it's hard and then look for that help where you can.
1: That's fantastic advice. And you and all the pandemic moms are so strong getting through this when we didn't have, you know, playgroups and these times to go meet up with other moms in, a, in an open way. I'm very impressed. What are play groups?
0: <laughs> what are those?
1: I think they <laughs> Those are a thing, yes. <laughs> Tell me more. This was the only way we met new moms, right? And so like, I was a working mom, so it was really hard. But there was like a board in our local area where it's like, I remember going to other women's houses and like meeting up with other kids who's like kids, we're in the same six month range and hanging out with them. And it was like, one of the only ways that I figured out that, you know, I wasn't the only one lost <laughs> and I wasn't the only one overwhelmed. And so not having that, I all the hugs, Bethany and Kaden is adorable and amazing. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and I just to add a little plug of it's not an ad or anything. I actually met moms through um, an app called Peanut which it's like Tinder for moms where you just swipe right or left on the kind of mom friends that you want to have. Like, No shame. If you're just maybe not the right mom friend, you can just swipe up or down. But I met some really wonderful, amazing women through this app that really helped me when it came to being a new mom. And so there's technology out there, playgroups and
2: Tinders for moms. Can you use that app if your kids are 15? Yes. Yes, I will be. It's the, I'll, I'll give you a link. <laughs> I'll be downloading that. I agree <laughs> with Bethany. That was one of the hardest things for me. We had very very little help. Both of my children had severe colic. Usually you get one and then the other one's great. We had two. And the second was even worse than the first. So, all of our parents, in-laws, everybody we knew worked full-time. No flexibility. We had very little help. We were always doing single parent mode on opposite shifts. And when somebody did offer to help, my ego didn't allow me to accept that. I'm a control freak. I'm completely type A and I just wanted to show everybody or maybe just myself that I could do it. I could handle it. So um, sorry to chime in on that, Bethany, but I think that's really great advice. If I could do it over again, I'd take all the help. My one piece of advice would probably be, and I don't want to be negative, but Don't ever get too comfortable with any stage of your child's growth. So, for example, the first two weeks, my daughter was the perfect baby. She slept all the time. She ate perfect. I mean, it was perfect. And then all of a sudden, week three hit and the colic comes out of nowhere. She still hasn't slept since she was three weeks old it never it never stays the same as soon as you get used to something if you get too comfortable if you get too set in your own routines or too set in your own schedule your child is going to change and start doing something completely different and not that it's a problem but if you are struggling with little help if you are struggling with mental health stuff if you are somebody that really needs the structure and the schedule it can be very discouraging and very disheartening when every time you feel like you're finally getting used to something or you feel like you're finally getting sleep Boom, the next day, everything's completely different. So just try to go with the flow as much as you possibly can and understand that your child is going to be constantly growing and changing, and probably most days will not remain the same.
1: That was another piece of advice I got that everything is a phase, the good stuff and the bad stuff. (laughs) Like, don't expect it to ever just stay consistent. Tasha, what about you?
3: So I definitely co sign on the get help. Now, Unfortunately, I have never lived in a place where that help came from family members or friends because again, I had just joined the military. I just got to Quantico. So my family was in New York. And then when we had our son, we were in Maryland. So that meant paying for help. And that's okay too. Like it is okay to save on your grocery budget so you could spend money, but to send your laundry to wash and fold so you don't have to spend 15 hours a week washing clothing and folding it. Okay. So just co-signing there. So, but my bit of advice is I've got two one sleep when your baby sleeps is just phenomenal advice and not enough people do that. When your kid sleeps, that's not time to clean the house. You go to sleep. Okay. <laughs> because that's the only way to get enough sleep. Cause you're not going to, for me, Reeves was also a non-sleeper. So my little one. And so the only way that I could function as an adult was to also take naps during the day because my nighttime sleep was so broken up. So you don't need to get it all done. Try to pay for help to get to help get stuff done. Just because you're home with baby doesn't mean your husband or your partner doesn't help around the house too. They can come home and do laundry, so they can help. And then my second piece though, is to just really try to enjoy the whole thing just because I have a 19 year old and I really see just how quickly the time passes and how those memories fade. And it's been a blessing to have at that time a 14 year old and an infant because I truly cherish every single moment, every single little change, every new thing that my son does in a way that I took for granted with my daughter because it felt like 18 years felt like forever. And then they really passed by so quickly. So just really try to be present in the moment. Enjoy it. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to be perfect. There's no such thing as being a perfect parent and just try to enjoy it
1: that advice about how fast it gets. My son is a little over five, my oldest. And last year at one point, one of my friends who has a kid of similar age was like, I just realized that we're a quarter of the way to 18. And I was like, why would you phrase it like that? Now I have to think about the fact that we're 25% of the way through to 18. Um, it does go, it goes really, really fast. And so Ellie Kay asked, did any of you have health issues with your baby, sick babies?
2: No, thankfully. I think we yeah. were all pretty lucky. Well, I actually had a few things.
0: Okay, I was really blessed in some areas. So like Caden's always been a really great sleeper. Like that's kind of like our only claim to fame when it comes to him. And thank goodness, because he had a lot of other little issues that we had to take care of. We went to a lot of doctor's offices throughout Los Angeles of just kind of like tiny little things here and there. They just kind of had to nip all of these little areas. And so my son had a helmet. He had flat head on one side of his head because he had... It's called torticollis in his neck when he was born. And so that was one thing that I struggled with mom guilt over because I'm like, was it my fault that he had to have this? And since I've had a baby, I'm very emotional. So mm, you made me cry again, Tasha, just now. But so it was kind of one of those things. He had to have a helmet. And then recently, Caden also got COVID. That was a really big thing for us. That was really hard. We had to take him to Children's Hospital of Los Angeles to take him to the emergency room so he could just get a little help with his lungs and breathing because he was having a hard time. After that, strange silver lining was that he was because he tested positive for COVID. We went back to Children's Hospital of Los Angeles because he had to get a tumor removed from his eyebrow. And so if you see if you look at pictures of him now, he has a little bit. Thankfully, it was it was benign. But man. There's a lot of hard stuff. that <laughs> We just, we take it and we're resilient and we can do it. And he's such a resilient little baby. But the silver lining was he didn't have to get tested for COVID when we went in for surgery.
1: Because he had COVID.
0: He had it. And so he had the positive test and they didn't, because they still shove it up his nose when it comes to all of that. <laughs> well, at least he
1: didn't have to do that again. Yeah.
0: Just little things here and there have just been annoying. But thankfully we have it really good. Like all of those things were a huge blessing. Like he didn't have more issues when it came to them testing that tumor. He didn't have to have, he has a perfectly round head now. It's beautiful. Everyone comments on how round his head is because it's just the helmet did its job really, really well. But those are some of the health issues we had to deal with.
1: Well, I'm glad he's doing better now. COVID must've been a very scary thing. He's great. And it doesn't really end when these little things come up. My three-year-old gave my five-year-old a concussion last night. They're not currently home. They're my in-laws. So I got a call at nine o'clock that Henry has a concussion because George hit him with a glass popcorn bowl. And things happen <laughs> and they're going to be OK. He'll be fine. But yeah, these things come up. It's And that also comes back to money, too, of making sure we're planning for medical expenses. And that like one of the things that we know surprises a lot of moms is that your baby gets their own deductible after they're born. And so if your kid ends up in the NICU or just really has like these kind of smaller things happen, you have to have a budget for those expenses as well. All right, we have a few other questions in the comments. Evelyn says, my husband and I struggle hiring someone to watch our three girls. It's just so hard to trust a stranger. How did you guys handle you know, hiring the first people to watch your kids?
2: We didn't. We have still, at 15 and 12, never had anybody that wasn't family watch our kids. Now that to say we've never had anybody actually babysit other than a night here and there. So we don't get out much. But one thing that I would have done had we really needed to get some help and didn't have any other options would probably be to try and find somebody in my life that maybe had the same type of needs. And maybe we could swap if schedules allowed, maybe I could help them out and watch their kids a couple of times, and then they could help me out and watch mine. Or if they don't have children, Maybe if there's someone that you do trust and there's someone willing to watch your children, maybe there's something else that you could give them to compensate for them helping you out with your children. Just, I always tell people, try to make sure it's even so that one person isn't feeling slighted and the, you know, feeling like they're giving a lot more and the other is taking. So if you're going to swap, maybe you know how to cut hair. Maybe you could cut their hair for them, or maybe you could give them a massage or do their nails, bake them a cake. I mean, there's so many things that you probably don't even realize that you could offer somebody else that would be of value to them. And that would just be one way to get some help with somebody that from somebody that you trust instead of some rando. <laughs> yeah, don't leave your kid with some rando. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're random until you get to know them. Speaking <laughs> of someone who has left my kids with many, many
3: randos. think <laughs> yes, Tasha is an expert on this. Right. Yes. So my daughter, Alexis, went to daycare when she was six weeks old. I didn't have a choice. So I was lucky enough that I just interviewed a lot of places. Right. So that's that's what you do. You go, you get You're going to go with your gut, go with your mama gut. And as you interview people and you get to know them and you like spend time in the centers, you watch how the teachers interact with the kids, that will give you a vibe for whether or not it's a good fit for your child. So with Alexis, we put her in a home care provider that was like, certified by the state and all of that. So on the fully on the up and up. And it was the best experience because her name was Janet and she truly treated those children like she was grandma and these are their kids. And she would like even cook us dinner. So we would like take home like pans of manicotti because she was Italian and we would go on vacation together. But it took a while for that relationship to build to that level. But it was the best experience. And then Then it was time for her to move on to pre-K. And so then she went to a regular sort of like a preschool. And so, again, it's just checking out those preschools and seeing which ones have the right vibe, which ones make you feel comfortable. I think it was, was it Bethany or Kristen? I don't know. That was talking about you don't really want to skimp on childcare. This is one of those places where you're going to pay money for probably the best places that you want. And then lastly, we did with Reeves a nanny. And so we had nanny cans everywhere and she came highly recommended. So, so there was that. And we just watched her. Like I would just check in on her. There were cameras all over the house. So periodically I'm just checking in. Is she doing what she's supposed to be doing? Is everything looking good? And eventually you start to trust that person and they become like part of the family. So our nanny, actually, she passed away from an aneurysm suddenly, and it was devastating for our whole family. Reeves was two years old and she was like family. So they start off as randos, but then you get to know them. They love your children. You can see that they love your children. And honestly, they're also, they're kind of, they're better at kids than you are, because it's their whole job. Like, let's not forget that these people are professionals. It is their job to teach kids, to raise them well, to understand how to speak to them according to where they are in their development that we as parents just have no idea about. So I think that not enough credit is given to the
1: people whose expertise is child rearing,
3: which is not parents. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. And Kate's comment here that when you find someone who deeply knows and loves your child, it's really wonderful. It is a beautiful thing for your kid to have more adults in their lives that know them and care about them and are watching out for them. And so that's an amazing thing. Bethany, it looked like you were going to jump in there.
0: I love this idea that Tasha is talking about because I recently was talking to a friend who is considering putting her son in daycare and it just... Kills her that she has to do this. And it's hard because you want to be a stay at home mom. There's this kind of like tension in society of like women need to do everything. They need to do it all and they need to do it great and they need to do it perfect and they need to do it now. Like there's this pressure in society that we need to be both 100% present at work and 100% present at home and doing all at the same time and juggling all of those hats when it's incredibly unrealistic. And when it comes to being a stay-at-home mom versus maybe one, two days in, in daycare, that might even be better for the child. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to see who's the most important person here. That's our, our children, and we want what's best for them. And daycare could be an incredible option. I have not put my son in daycare, but just think about all the games they're going to play with him that I do a terrible job at doing. My, my Montessori toys, not the best at me doing activities with him yeah. whilst I am working
3: in the other room can I just piggyback really quick to say, okay, so number one, I hate imaginative play. Okay. Reeves, it's all up in, and the battling and I like, I really don't like that. So I'm glad that Joseph is into it. But even when we had our nanny, when Reeves was two years old, he was already, he knew all his letters. He knew the alphabet he was counting. And I'm like, you know, I think he needs a little bit more than just being here with a nanny. So we had a nanny and he was in preschool Three hours a day. He was so the nanny would come in the morning. She would drop him off at preschool. She would do other things around the house and then she would pick him up. It was three days a week. So, and that's what he needed. And he fully thrived. And thankfully, we actually did that because when our nanny passed, he went there full time and he already knew the teachers and everything. And in fact, one of his teachers was so close to the family that her daughter, who is a teacher, is also Reeve's summer
1: nanny. Awesome. So it's like you build these relationships. And we had that too. So my husband's a stay at home dad and with our youngest, he just felt like he needed something else. And so we thought about sending him to Montessori three days a week. Frankly, we signed the paperwork to sign him up the week before everything closed in Connecticut for COVID. So he never actually got to go, but he's starting preschool in the fall. And like, we cannot wait for him to have that interaction. So you can find really amazing people. And if you're looking for more daycare providers, if there's a college in your area, we've had a lot of luck posting in those groups, looking for people older, a little bit older, especially if your kids are Um, young who are willing to watch your kids and you can interview them, find people that fit. And then things like care.com that'll do full background checks and help you find really good babysitters. You are going to pay for it, right? Like we talked about, but there is that option. We all also have different work experiences. And so Stephanie wanted to know, do you have any advice for thinking about going back to work, whether how, when, where, part-time, full-time, et cetera? I'm currently part-time, but wondering if or when I go full-time. So Stephanie, we've already touched on that Tasha was full-time and went back both times. I was full-time, went back the first time and then became an entrepreneur the second time. Kristen became a stay-at-home mom, and Bethany is an entrepreneur going back into entrepreneurship. And so we all have different perspectives. Bethany, how are you thinking about getting back out there with conferences as the world opens back up? This is a really – so many great
0: questions that you are throwing my way (laughs) because I just don't have a lot of answers for them. It is something, though, that I am itching at Mm -hmm. I took more time off than I intended to. And as an entrepreneur, like that hustle is always there in the back of your mind. I felt just for the first nine months of Caden being alive, I'm like, I need to hustle. I need to hustle. I need to make money. I need to figure this out. I need to, I need to do, need to. And then like Just when the pandemic was here, it was like giving myself that permission of, it's okay not to hustle right now. It's okay to not have to keep going, going, going. And so I'm feeling that hustle again. I'm feeling it come back. And the really crazy thing is there are so many ways to make money these days. It's beautiful. And so you know what? I don't know if I'm gonna go back to conferences. It's been an amazing part of my life. I love it. As you might see, I have a bold, bright personality about me. That's who I am. But I'm also kind of transitioning into some other things. And so I am, this is weird to come out of my mouth. I- <laughs>
1: I'm an artist. (laughs) Guys, Bethany makes the cutest stickers, the cutest stickers you've ever seen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you. I need stickers. Let's talk.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can we please? Yes. I would love that. And so it's this weird thing of like, I never considered myself an artist. Like it's something that I look back now. My mom brought over a ton of junk. I mean, boxes from my childhood (laughs) that I still have to go through and in these, I'm starting to like pull out like all of my artwork of when I was a little girl and I had like Bethany's portfolio and like looking at all these, I'm like, I've always been an artist. Like that's kind of been who I am. And so I feel like this year has been a big year of self-discovery and figuring out what it is. And and now I'm starting to sell stickers on the internet to strangers and it's like, what is this? And so I think learning more about myself, again, going back to the therapy, mm, best thing I could have ever done to help me. You know, that creativity is coming back and then being creative about making money and being creative of how to make money from home because this is my office. That's my son's playroom. <laughs> And so being able to do both and and having that pressure, but also kind of being creative, just maybe find new ways to make money. Maybe it's something you've never done before. Maybe it's something you've always wanted to do. And just looking at those dreams that you might have had that you forgot about and being able to find ways to make money and get that hustle back. And so that's a really long story to say, I'm working on it. And it's been really cool.
1: Oh guys, and we're going to link Bethany's stickers in the description of this video when we get off. But Kristen, you talked about wanting to become a stay-at-home mom, but at some point you started your blog and you started your online business. So when did you make that decision?
2: I did. After I had my second child, I went back to work full-time, like a normal nine-to-five desk job. It was really hard. It's not something I wanted to do that. I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. So desk jobs kind of crushed my soul day (laughs) by day. But the thing is, nobody can really tell you what's right for you. You have to be able to back just back to the original question. You you know what's right for you, what's right for your child, what's right for your finances, what works with your spouse, what doesn't put a strain on your relationship. So, there really isn't a right time when you should transition back to work or away from work or work more, work less. I think along with what Bethany said, if you do feel that pull to stay home and be home, be close to your child, you can monetize literally anything. We live in such a cool era where you can seriously put anything on the internet in some type of way and make money for it. It it takes the persistence, it takes a lot of hard work, but if it's something that's truly important to you, you can absolutely do that and aside from that Chelsea back to your original question as i said i was always entrepreneurial it took me a long time to really figure out what that was what that feeling was inside of me that made me want to jam scissors in my eyeballs every day i went to a real desk job i was always a really good worker i had a good work ethic i was always good at my jobs but i hated them all so once I realized what it was, I tried everything to have my own thing, you know, first women go through what all the MLMs and then I started making decorated sugar cookies and people wanted to buy those and it just kind of evolved. And I had a blog a couple years ago about health and wellness. And then one day I decided I hated working out and I wanted to only eat junk food all day. So I stopped that blog because it felt a little fake. And then when we had our own financial journey, awakening, what have you, I just felt as though we had received so many blessings throughout our journey to improve our finances and pay off debt that it kind of, not to sound cheesy, it felt like I was being called to share this experience with other women because- For a long time, I felt like we had no hope and we were stuck where we were. And once we climbed out, I just really wanted other women to understand that they're not stuck either. And they do have the power to take back control of their own finances. And it just kind of evolved. Absolutely. Tasha, when did
1: you make the decision to go from your full-time lawyer job to running your own business? So
3: gradually, it definitely came from that feeling of not wanting to go back to work and also not feeling like I could stay home and still hit all of my financial and life goals, right? My professional goals. Yes. So I actually started making money online when I was on that 12 week maternity leave. I started doing TaskRabbit for like $10 an hour. So I have a Yale, a law degree from Yale Law School. And I'm like, all right, can I do TaskRabbit at $10 an hour? And I'm like, no, this is too much work for $10 an hour. And then they tried to give me a raise because clearly I was like, super overqualified. But (laughs) I went back to work. And I will say just for those people who are not entrepreneurial minded, I'd love to give some tips about how I made it work going back to work. And so I would just really think about, first of all, dumping as much off of your schedule as possible. All those things that you think that you have to do Just try not doing them for a while and just see what happens, right? And just focus on the one thing of like, how can I make it to work? Also, chances are you might be pumping, right? So support my breastfeeding, come home and be a good mom and partner, right? Like those are your only responsibilities, And then you can figure that other stuff out. Like, how do I make sure I'm eating? Like, let's figure that out later. Because it's like we set these bars for ourselves that are so high that makes accomplishing anything really difficult. But also start thinking about what you need from your employer to make it work. So my employer... They put a fridge in my office for me. I had a private office because I was a lawyer. So you might not have that. So it's like, where are the spaces so I can pump? Where are the spaces that I need as a mom? And also what flexibilities are available so that I can still feel like I can be present as a mom and still come back to this job and do great work. And don't be afraid to ask for those things because a lot of people are asking for them. And also don't be afraid to look for another job. That's what I had to do. So I left that lawyer job for a job that was closer to home. And it was a nightmare that had me commuting all the time. Seven months later, I looked for a different job. Like I really didn't care. It's like, if you don't want to support me as a mom, I know I'm good. I know my skills. I know my credentials I'll go somewhere else that values me more. And I did. And that new job allowed me to work from home three days a week, which was great because I was commuting into DC. So you don't have to choose between being in a career that you love, even as an employee and being a good mom, you can do both. So I just wanted to offer that as well. But I did get a taste for making my own money. And so then over the course of two years, it took me to grow my business so that I could replace my lawyer salary. And so I didn't have to take a pay cut.
1: So I didn't have to choose between making great money, doing great work and being a good mom. That is an absolutely beautiful thing. All right, mamas, we are at the end of our hour. So let's have all of you share where people can follow you and see more of your work. Let's start with Bethany. You
0: can find me at Bethany Bayless on Instagram. I'm also at Motherhood and Money Show on Instagram. The podcast that we have is a really great thing that we've been doing for specifically new moms. And since a lot of the new moms have been in a pandemic or we're just having the experiences of being a brand new pandemic mom and kind of just relating to that over at the motherhood and money show podcast. And if you want stickers, you can look me up on Etsy at Bethany Bayless co. Thank you.
2: Awesome. <laughs> Kristen. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. I really enjoyed it. You can find me on my website, senseandpurpose.com purpose.com. Or on Instagram at Sense and Purpose and also over on YouTube. Search Sense and Purpose over there and it'll pop up.
3: Awesome. Tasha? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at One Big Happy Life. Also our website, onebighappylife.com and YouTube,
1: One Big Happy Life. Love that consistency. ladies. This was amazing. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Chelsea.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
1: Mamas, I love doing these panels when we get to hear a range of advice from multiple incredible women. When it comes to saving money as a new mom, it really comes back to sticking to your values and staying true to what's most important to you, and waiting to see what your kid actually needs instead of trying to have things for every possible calamity. This is a journey, so take it slow. Learn along the way and keep your values and goals front and center so you don't fall prey to all the crazy marketing aimed at new moms. I want to thank Tasha, Kristen, and Bethany again for coming on the show and sharing their wisdom. You can find links to their sites, the New Mama Money Plan, and all resources mentioned in this episode at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 113. Keep talking money mama. I'll see you next time.